Welcome to Rocco Public Radio, your weekly dose of X-Men comic chat. I'm Rod, and this is the man who I would be the least annoyed with if we were locked in a vault together for 100 years, my one and only Comega Mutant, Keegan. This week, we are talking X-Men 15, Axe, Avengers number one, Amazing Spider-Man number 10, maybe more. But first, let's test your memory. There have been a whole lot of judgments so far in Judgment Day. Who passed? Who failed? Are you ready? I am. I am ready. All right. We'll start easy. Iron Man. Passed. <laughs> Magneto. Passes. Okay. Mystique. Fails. Okay. Fastos. Passes. All right. Uh, Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride. Uh, passes. Thor. Yeah, he's worthy by the hammer. He passes. <laughs> memory, memory. Cersei. Fails. Uh, you're doing perfect so far. <laughs> Icarus. Fails. He passes. Well, that's the weird one where that's he right, passes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Exodus. Passes. And let's do one more. Tom, that piece of shit, Tom. He fails. He, he fails, fails hard. He fails if he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. I'll fail him again. All right, you, you got a good memory there. Uh, you know. So, one of the few things I can remember. We're... Recording day of for once, which is really exciting. Ooh. Yeah, that's so, actually fun. Uh, well, you also have somewhere to be, so this might end up being a yeah. little bit of a shorter episode, but we're going to crank through it. <laughs> Ready to jump into X-Men number 15? Let's do it. All right. We leave Axe behind for a minute. We open with a data page of Forge, mulling the responsibilities scientists have to decide when they should create terrible weapons and when they shouldn't. Then Forge leads Cyclops in the jungle to the vault where he's now created a giant cannon to fire a black hole into it if the door ever opens. While they're discussing it, the vault opens, the gun misfires, the children of the vault go on a rampage, killing everyone on Krakoa, and then the Earth, before taking over Asgard. This is all fake, of course. We see a flashback to Professor X and Forge discussing the threat of the vault. We get a repeat of the first page, but this time, when they reach the vault, they find a massive dome over it, and Forge explains he's created what is essentially a Matrix-style simulation for anyone who leaves the vault. Then reveals to the rest of the X-Men he's going in to rescue Darwin, who was left behind when Sink, uh, Wolverine, and him went in a year and a half, two years ago, during Hickman's run. Yeah. Uh, he just needs the X-Men to distract the sentries, he enters the vault and starts a search for Darwin. As the resident Forge supervan, would you like to kick us off? I mean, yeah. So I loved this issue, obviously, because it was so Forge-centric. Uh, for, like, really cool usage of his powers. Like, not only the Matrix, which was super cool, but also the giant gun. <laughs> well, the giant gun that wasn't even, like, was a fake-out. We were fake shown... Gun. We were shown this gun. We were given the funny Cyclops quip of like, don't let Cable see it. He'll want it. <laughs> and then it's not even the big thing. Like we, Not like, even the big thing. That would have impressed us. Like, oh, that's yeah. a good solution. Nope, that wasn't his solution. <laughs> so I guess 
if I, as far as I understood it, he created the big fake gun within the matrix and then created the matrix around it. Because, well, like, well, the big fake gun within the minds. I was of just gonna them. say, yes, is, is this if the simulation is just in their imaginations, right? Because we see them in the pods, like in the trees or whatever, when they actually go into the vault. I don't know, yeah, but either way, either yeah. way is impressive. Whether he makes a big freaking gun or he manages to imprint a big freaking gun on your imagination, pretty. either way, it's pretty damn impressive. <laughs> it's pretty cool, <laughs> but even uh, just uh, the opening like, just the you wanted to see, you wanted to know what the council wanted with me so bad, Cyclops. That well, you and doing the repeat me. of that scene was so smart, yeah. so cool. Oh, I loved that dark turn for the man, though. Little, little bit like little turning bit. Caliban into armor unwillingly, and then like not even waking him up to be like, Hey, dude, this is what I did until you're in the moment. Yeah, waking up and be like, Hey, it's go time. <laughs> uh, was, was that Darwin that like notices them, and or is that one of the children of the vault? Now, see, I'm pretty sure that it's supposed to be Darwin. Okay, like, I feel like that's that was my reading of it. Do we want nitpick corner now, or do we want to ha have the conversation and then me go into nitpick corner? Hit me. Hit me with it. Okay. X-Men 19 of the last volume, because Marvel loves renumbering things. The Hickman issue 19. Mm-hmm. Is when we see them escape the vault, right? He and... He's the only one that gets out so that when he gets revived, it's... He gets to keep his memories, and then... Uh, Darwin doesn't get out, and Laura... Uh, loses her memories, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which Laura is going to show up. Like they're going to find Laura in the vault, and that's going to be a whole thing in this arc. I guarantee you. Like that's that's one that's not even just my regular prediction. That is, I guarantee you, we're going to see her because why would they leave that thread thread dangling? But mm -hmm. the nitpick corner in that end of that issue, we see them bring back uh, Sink, and then he's talking to X, and we see them bring back Laura. And we see them bring back what is clearly Darwin right next to her. Oh. Now, never says anything. We just see in the art like that they he's crawling out of an egg, she's crawling out of an egg, and then it's and then he like she's like, that's good enough when they comment something about like, oh, that's not like she's not gonna remember you. And he's like, Yeah, but that's enough, she's there. Something along those lines. I don't remember the exact dialogue, but he is clearly there. Now they can probably hand wave it and say, oh, they just happen to be reviving another generic white mutant at the same time. It just happened to be the same time they were reviving these people as they got out of the vault. But, like, that was 100% supposed to be Darwin when Hickman wrote it. Like, why else would they draw in an extra mutant being revived? Yeah. So I'm a little upset Dugan either didn't do his research or forgot about that or just decided to hand wave it. Yeah, I mean, it could even be just the fact of, like, this was a story that Dugan wanted to tell, and he went back and looked, and was just like, well, they never said it was Darwin. Yeah. It was really frustrating <laughs> to notice, though. Because, yeah. like, it stood out in my because I had been thinking all along, like, when are we going to see the new Darwin? Like, we keep seeing the new Laura, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Um, also, just, I, I enjoyed the little acknowledgement there between Forge and Xavier, like... Your telekinesis has gotten better. <laughs> oh, we're moving forward with the weird rev reviving heightens your power stuff. Like they're they're going somewhere with that now. Finally, yeah. this is like the third time in three or four weeks that we've had it referenced. Mm -hmm. Well, 
it set the stage completely for the Children of the Vault arc, which we've been waiting forever for. So I'm really excited to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely the setup issue. So there's not a ton to say, I don't think. Yeah. Although I did like they're talking about how Sync is now 500 years old. Yeah. And uh, he says, makes him almost as old as Steve Rogers, right? <laughs> That's a great line. Someone yes. mentions, like, you know, if you find Darwin, he's going to be a thousand and he's going to be pissed. And Gene's like, yeah, like his his power is he adapts. He's going to adapt to the situation. Yeah. That is, that is exactly what happens. I'm, mm. I'm excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. I, I think that'll be. Uh, an interesting way to see what happens. It's just because it is power to adapt, but doesn't have to be happy about it. <laughs> so this is now issue three from Dugan, right? From or not from Dugan, but from Dugan, the new team. Since we switched, mm-hmm. uh, we did not love the first issue with this lineup. We were pretty hot, heavy on the praise for the second, and this is the first one that's not a tie-in issue. I like. I I think this this lineup is gonna go places. This I... this issue reinforced my belief that this team is great. I, I agree. I think that now that we are outside of tie-in territory and it's just as strong, I feel very good about this team. I'm, especially if he keeps the focus on Forge. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he he writes a really good Iceman, though, for like mm-hmm. how little he was focused on in this issue. Still nailing the dialogue. Yeah, writes a great Iceman, writes a great Forge. Really does a great job with everybody. Yeah. Uh, once he got like that first issue was kind of settling in, and then now that he's settled in, just killing it. I'm nervous for whatever issue we get that focuses on Firestar because that's the one that I'm still iffy on his characterization. Hmm. All right, Axe Avengers, let's do it. We open with the Strike Team from Judgment Day number five ascending the inside of the Progenitor, with the opening page showing us a view from the outside to emphasize the vicinity to the crotch, like right on the thigh for some reason, in the thigh for some reason. Tony is complaining about being the only Avenger there. So Cersei and Wolverine remind him they were once Avengers and Sinister offers to join the team. Tony gets mad at him for joking when so many of their friends died. And Sinister is quick to remind Tony. It's his DNA of Celestials based on. Cue the guilt trip. Celestial defenses kick in, and the team manages to fight him off, but Tony falls prey to a trap that cuts off his oxygen. He's besieged by visions. Yinsen, his old armors, Captain America, Rhodey, Thor, and Hulk all guilt trip him. Then a parade of redheads he's hurt. Natasha, Pepper, Hellcat commanded to knock him down further. Finally, he's forced to watch the accident that killed his parents. He mentions he always wanted to have it to have been more than an accident, just so that it had a purpose. Uh, this inspires the Celestial to finally speak up and point out there was a reason. Mechanical failure. He extends the metaphor to the current Judgment Day situation. It points out that the destruction of the Earth is a mechanical failure and it can't be stopped. So Tony should just give up. This pushes Tony's revol- resolve to try harder, which in turn causes the vision to take the form of Howard Stark, who tells him he's proud and that he passes. Tony wakes up and realizes if the Celestial is still judging him, it's still judging the whole world, and that they still have time to win it all. Really interesting uh, that this was all in a tie-in, because I feel like this was a turning point for the event. Kind of yes. a big kind of a big reveal. Yeah. 
I would say so. I mean, I found it interesting because it was advertised as a story critical one shot, which it um, definitely was. Yeah. I so mean, why would you be more make, story critical? <laughs> why wouldn't you just make the event seven issues and make this an issue of the event? I, I don't know. Like, Maybe all of these other one shots are going to be that same way, the like Axe Star Fox and all those. But I'm really interested to see Axe Star Fox. I could see because this is the first of a trilogy where we're getting like one one shot mm-hmm. on each of the three teams. Maybe each of those will have like different groups come to the same realization. I don't know, but maybe I'm really excited for the Star Fox issue. That's next week. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. I don't know that I love that the Celestial is still testing them. Like, we're heading more down the road of he's just going to do a reset. And I don't, I, I'm really nervous about that. We talked about how they really need to stick the landing. And I feel like it, that's going to make it hard to stick the landing. It, it's telegraphing a landing that I'm not super stoked on of the yeah. celestial essentially being like, LOL, JK, the end of the test was actually a test too. <laughs> I don't know the logic of telling everyone they failed the test and then cueing them in that the test is still going. Right. Like, like you, you literally decimated like so many people, and then you're gonna drop those hints. Yeah, like I could understand the keeping the test going, like to to really test the resolve of the remaining people. But why would you then let them know that's what you're doing? I I don't I, I don't buy the twist. It doesn't make sense to me. Maybe, maybe. It is tied to the fact that it has Tony Stark's fingerprints all over it. And Tony can be pretty cocky. So maybe it's that? Maybe it's it's a pride thing. Yeah. I can see that. I, as you were talking, like, I could definitely see it being that. I could also, like, maybe that's really, he's only hinting to, like, a select few that are the ones he really wants to test their results specifically. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know where Gillen's going. There's... He's like, I need to test you, father. <laughs> there we go. I really, I think we're gonna need the context of the other two that this is a trilogy of to really understand what the goal is here. I agree. I think that each one is gonna be a piece of a puzzle that like really clarifies everything. If it goes the way that this one alone looks, I'll be pretty disappointed. But if the other two can add some other viewpoints that make it a little more in line with what I was expecting, then that's great. It's going to yeah. affect the X-Men. It's going to affect the Eternals. And that's it. And I'm okay with that. Like, I, we kind of predicted that. I just, I wanted the resolution to be satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like. We know where the end game's going, and that's okay. I just don't want it to be as simple as a snap of the fingers, like JK. Yeah, that would really upset me. I agree. I don't know if you have one. I have a line of the issue. Yes, what is yours? Mine is Jean Grey when Mr. Sinister says something snarky, which Sinister is great in this. Kieran Gillen should just write a Sinister ongoing, but, anyways, uh. He says, he is. Mr. Sinister just says stupid things to show off. And then, like, death stare at Tony. I understand a lot of geniuses do that. It was so good. Yeah, that I think that's mine, too. Um, although, I did I did really like with Sinister. And he's like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. These pheromones disguised me when I first plundered the Dreaming Celestial. 
we should be able to get past it secretly and then it doesn't work and so he just starts screaming plan b stab them logan stab them with your claws <laughs> yeah those and that was like right before this so yes, it was immediately so, both before, of those moments so it's really so all in that sequence is just perfect yeah <laughs> um the federico vicentini art was mm-hmm. beautiful. breathtaking like I looked, and the only issue I've read from them recently was the most recent Wolverine issue, which did not blow me away in the same way. This this was fantastic art all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the the crotch shot of the Celestial. Yeah, yeah, that was goofy, but it, the art really did well, especially when it was like all of the people that died coming to like talk to Tony. Oh, the Hulk was that was an amazing Hulk. Yeah. Was this entire issue a clapback at the MCU, or I guess specifically the Civil War? Uh, Thank you for bringing it up because I thought the MCU? same thing. I like, thought for sure. So the flashback uh, I covered in my summary, but the flashback of Tony's parents' death was drawn just like it was shot in uh, the flashback scenes. If it was Civil War, right? I'm trying to remember which. Which MCU movie it was, but I'm pretty sure it has to be because Tony hating Bucky uh, for being mind controlled is the whole reason Civil War keeps going. Yeah, so it looked visually so much like the scene where we see the old like grainy videotape of the Winter Soldier being the one that causes the car accident, and it hits home like Tony saying like, "I always wanted it to have been more than just an accident, but that's all it was. It was just an accident. Be sure you understand." my parents death was just a car accident like they if really there was a reason home. and it wasn't an accident then i could have done something about the reason and it not being an accident but it was <laughs> like they, they nailed that down hard and it yeah. really felt like gillen saying he hated that twist <laughs> yeah i think so too i do like like the way that memory pushed tony like, I don't know if Gillen has written a lot, Tony. We were talking last week about how this event has been a whole lot of him writing Captain America because he gets Captain America so well. Mm-hmm. I felt like he got Tony here. I liked this Tony. He gets Tony very well. This is the most I've liked Tony in a long time. I am excited to read Dugan's Iron Man when it starts. Like That's yes. going to be good. But yeah, I haven't read the current Cantwell stuff because, again, I came back to comics like as it was already... 30 issues in and i have not jumped in yet so yeah all right are you ready to go around the marvel universe yeah absolutely you sound a little too enthusiastic to talk about amazing (laughs) spider-man number 10 oh because i want to dunk on it so bad this issue is so stupid (laughs) so we had to read it for this podcast because it was a judgment day tie-in i don't know when it takes place i now that we know he keeps judging, it could land anywhere. It has zero X-Men impact. It has zero impact on the event. But Peter Parker faces judgment. As does Aunt May. And her judgment comes in the form of Uncle Ben just chilling with her, I guess. Yeah. So that's one thing I found really weird about it is, you know, we've been talking about the inconsistent rules of the progenitor and the inconsistencies and in how judgment comes. But this one especially because it just felt like everyone just kind of had these people hanging out with them, watching, going about their day that no one else can see. So for the context of anyone that didn't read it, because I'm I'm not going to bother summarizing the whole issue, but basically Gwen Stacy, the progenitor as Gwen Stacy, 
follows him around for the entirety of like him going and visiting all of his family and friends and trying to help people out go, getting dragged to work by Norman and it's just like hovering next to him and that culminates with Norman like comes out of the office and he does kind of a oh oh because he doesn't want poor Gwen to have to see Norman even though it's not really Gwen and so uh, the Gwen Stacy like progenitor leaves onto the balcony he follows it out on the balcony and it finally speaks and ends up like not only passing him but being like i'm gonna give you a gift and turns into like the actual Re gwen from heaven or whatever the marvel life like, is like revives gwen stacy for a, a quick two minutes and like hasn't aged a day well, and, like, she does this horrified, like, where am I? Oh, you've aged so much, Peter. What's going on? But then at the end is, like, he says I have to go now. <laughs> yeah. What? Why is the progenitor suddenly uh, reviving people? Well, where does he get this power? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like so just because Peter's good? Like... <laughs> Um, I liked a couple scenes in it. I hate to admit, and I yeah. probably will like, deny if you ever come at me on TikTok and like you liked something in that issue. But I did <laughs> like, I liked the Ben Riley scene where he's like, he's on uh, a rooftop and he's talking about like, yeah, Ben used to come here to think. Like, me too, because he's my clone. But eventually I'll stop coming here. I keep hoping he'll show up. Mm -hmm. Even Peter hates the shit they've done to Ben. Yep. Um, I. I also, I liked him and Miles having a moment. I just thought that that yeah. was nice. Yeah, I, this had some weird, does this happen before or after what we've already seen? Because like that, yeah, was yeah. that before or after the thumbs up? And then the Kamala and, yeah. so we see Kamala and she's got uh, Captain Marvel like watching her. So I guess this was running concurrent because it only makes sense if that scene was before the scene where she beats the snot out of the right. thing. But it also changes the context of that scene because in when we saw it in Judgment Day 4, the implication was basically Captain Marvel shows up and Kamala immediately recognizes it's fake and starts beating the crap out of it. Yeah, so what, and, what happens in between this issue and that moment? Well, and even no matter what happens in between, it to me, it kills the joke a little bit because part yeah. of what made that seem so funny was that, like, essentially it shows up, she immediately recognizes it and immediately pummels it and instead, like, she yeah. just follow around all day. I don't know. Like you said, apparently these characters all just get shadowed forever. Yeah, and, like, when, when Peter goes and talks to Aunt May, she kind of implies that she's fine with having judgment happen because she gets to chill with uncle ben for another day but like i don't know that seems weird to me i feel like aunt may would be like who are you pretending to be my dead husband no thank you this is fair but also like we've seen other sympathetic characters get way less nice treatments why does aunt may get to just chill with uncle ben apparently yeah it doesn't make any sense maybe because she soloed the justice league with a baseball bat <laughs> yes but, and then but then also like the weird thing at the end where you know gwen gets revived norman sees that sees the flesh gwen in the real world but also he is also being judged by a different progenitor gwen but why would he be being judged by harry 
Like, I feel like if anyone was going to judge Norman, it would be Harry, not the teen girl he once impregnated and they try to make you forget about because it was one of the creepiest arcs they've ever done. I don't know. You're right, though. That's well, I also like they're still trying to convince us that the Golden Goblin thing is going to actually stick and he's a good guy now. But <laughs> then they also show us that clearly he still has his demons and we're going to have regular old Normie back any day. Yeah. Anyways, want to keep going around? Let's keep... I mean, sure. <laughs> Gambit 3 was... That was a comic book. <laughs> fan question. Oh, Every God. week, we ask and solicit community answers, either in the comments or have you email them to us at Arocco Public Radio. Last week's, in light of exterminators, what is a small or impromptu team of similar powers, personalities, or both you'd love to see in a miniseries? Our good buddy, The Broken Record, has sent us in another great answer. He said, Nightcrawler, Rogue, Darwin, and Multiple Man. I feel like these four often get mistrust from a universe, but are also heavily misunderstood. I'd love to see them all in a group together. It, the, the four of them together doesn't seem like, you know, fighting a world-ending threat. Yeah, you wouldn't want it to be a swashbuckling book. You'd want it to be very character-driven, was what I was trying to say. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love this answer so much. I This is my answer now, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's great. I think it, it would be it'd be super cool. Did you have an actual answer, or are you switching your answer to I'm, that? I'm just switching it. It doesn't even matter. I'm switching it. This one. All right. This is good, because mine is a very big tonal shift. Ooh, okay, go for it. Mine is a sitcom where Sunspot loses his entire fortune, decides to open a restaurant. He brings in Emma Frost's cook, uh, Saucier. I don't know if you remember him from the Hellfire Gala. Mm-hmm. Brings in Saucier, who Magneto once referred to as the mutant miracle of cooking, to run the kitchen. But on all of the desserts, we have soft serve. The 100% canon mutant who poops ice cream. Each issue would literally just be a sitcom episode where we they have some crazy thing happen and plenty of guest stars, but the core dynamic would be those three. Like, think uh, like two guys, a girl, and a pizza place, but with these characters. That's, that's so good. Oh, you you would find a way to put the soft serve into this. That's so good. I, I will I fit soft serve wherever I can. She's amazing. Oh, that's, that's so funny. <laughs> All right. You ready for this week's question? Let's do it. For the last month or so, we've gotten countless tie-in issues focused on individual characters' judgments. If you could pick any character from DC, Image Comics, or any other comic universe to face the progenitor for a one-shot, who would it be? And let's try to get a few answers this time. If you make yes. it to the end of this episode, this is a shorter episode, so there should be more of you actually watching the whole thing. I look at the uh, analytics. I know how many of you bail at 15 minutes. Not if only you... that, but uh, we get more more days, you know, more time yes. until the next episode. You're having faith I'm going to edit this quickly. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully tomorrow I'll get this edited. I want at least two answers. I don't want to just read. I love Broken Records answers every week, but... 
let's get two answers this week. Hit Which me broken them. record? I want to know. I want to know what yours is for this one, but I also want others. You have to send something weekly now. Like you're, <laughs> you're our consistency now. Broken record. We're just gonna start giving you that segment. It's just gonna be broken records answer, then the mailing answer. <laughs> we love you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Next week, X Men Red number seven. Axe X Men number one. A Kieran Gillen piece. <laughs> Axe, Star Fox number one, Kieran Gillen again, and then Marauders number seven. So like this that. is this is Al Ewing. This is Double Gillen. This will be a baller episode. Oh, it's going to be so good. Here's my big wonder. Is X-Men Red 7 going to be my new issue of the year? <laughs> my prediction, it'll be really good, but it's not. There's no, there's no way they could top it. Yet again, right? Like you, you say that, but that's how I felt the last time. So, <laughs> yeah, but the hour of Magneto was pretty hype. Like, yeah, that's true. I feel like, I mean, this is probably going to be like his funeral, or like yeah. maybe not oh. funeral, because that'll probably wait till after Judgment Day. It's going to be the fallout from him dying. It's going to be a very powerful issue. I don't think there's any way it tops, but you might. But we'll see. We'll see. You'll have to tune in next week because that does it for us this week. Thank you for hanging out, chatting all things mutant with us. If you have not hit subscribe, please do. Follow us on all of the socials. I'm that nerdy Papa Bear, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Keegan is Bulk Ranger, Twitter, and TikTok. We are also on TikTok as uh, Arako Public Radio, where you can see like one minute highlights of us. And I'm going to put more up this week. I don't think I put up two last week, but there's going to be a ton this week because Excellent. we have a whole week. Yes. And we will talk to you next time. My X-Men to me. <laughs> I seriously need to figure out a good one. <laughs>